InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. How much time do you spend staring at the screen of your smartphone? It can easily turn into an addiction. InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco talks with an expert who shares tips on how to make your phone less intrusive. Gina? Thanks, Chris. How often do we hear someone say, put down that phone? More and more parents, teachers, spouses, and experts believe that our phones have become efficient at interfering with our happiness. Joining us now with solutions is Catherine Price, a science journalist and author of an important new book, How to Break Up with Your Phone. Catherine, we've all suspected that phones might be addictive, and you say they actually are? How so? Well, our phones are designed, more particularly the apps on them, to get us to spend as much time as possible on those apps. And that makes sense from a business perspective. If you think about how the companies make money, they make money by showing ads. And the more people see the ads, the more money they will make. So they want us to keep using our phones and their apps for as long as possible. Once you recognize that motive, then you start to notice little design elements that are put there to keep us using our phones for as long as possible. For example, the endlessness of social media feeds. You could easily have those feeds be as pages, like Google search results, where you have to click to get to the next page, but they don't do that. And the reason is that that might actually jolt us out of our trance and get us to stop. (laughs) Hmm. Facebook launched Messenger Kids, a new, simpler version of regular Facebook Messenger and with parental controls. But how concerned are you about this in terms of getting kids hooked on their phones? Oh, my God. I like wanted to throw up when I read that article about Facebook Messenger for kids. As you may have seen, a couple of weeks later, there was a whole protest by <laughs> pediatricians and psychologists saying, are you kidding? Seriously? Like, don't do that. I'm personally... I'm, I think that was a very bad PR move on Facebook's part. It's like cigarette companies saying, now for children, you know, (laughs) Mm. big bird cigarettes. And you say that our phones and apps, as you just pointed out, damage certain abilities we have. Which ones? Well, let's be more specific. It's the time we spend on our phones and apps. The average person these days is spending about four hours a day on their phones and apps. So that's why I find it concerning. It's not like the casual pickup or looking at social media for 15 minutes when you actually really want to look at social media. It's the fact that so often we get pulled into these cycles of constantly looking at social media feeds, scrolling mindlessly, swiping between apps and not actually giving our brains a chance to just wander or to concentrate on one thing. So if you think about the science of neuroplasticity, which is how our brains change in response to various stimuli, if you spend four hours a day doing anything, it's going to change your brain. (laughs) In the case of spending all this time just on these little distractions, we're really training our brains to go back to what is their default state of distraction. We want to be distractible because that's how you'll be alerted to threats in your environment. And it's really hard, actually, to cultivate the ability to sustain your focus long enough to, say, read an article or a book. So when you're on your phone, you're basically undoing all the hard work you've put in over the course of your life to be able to concentrate. So focusing, thinking deeply, new memories, all of that can kind of be compromised? Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, with for memory in particular, I mean, if you think about it, first of all, <laughs> your life is what you pay attention to. You're not going to remember things you didn't pay attention to. So if you're just spending your attention, I like to use the verb spending because I think it's a valuable commodity. Spending it on your phone, you're not spending it on other things and you're not creating memories to remember in the first place. But beyond that, you're also not giving your brain space to create what are called 
schemas, which are interconnected networks of memories. It's not like a file cabinet in your brain. Memories are connected to each other and into multiple things. Like a traffic cone is connected to a pumpkin because they're orange, and it's also connected to like a stop sign because it's on a road. And the more connections you have between these things, the more deeply you'll be able to think and the more likely you are to have insights. But it takes time and basically space for your brain to create these connections. So when you're constantly interrupting your brain by turning to your phone, you're actually damaging your ability to create these schemas that are necessary to have insights and to think deeply. We're visiting with Catherine Price, author of How to Break Up with Your Phone, and you've indicated there are four areas for change in order to do this. So let's take those one at a time. First, our phone's settings. What changes should we make? Well, just to be clear before we get into this, just breaking up with your phones, not trying to get everybody to throw their phones under a bus. It's all about creating a healthy relationship. Sure. But in terms of settings, yeah, there are a lot of settings on your phone that you can adjust to give yourself space and to make it more likely that you can develop a healthier relationship, one of which is notifications. They're there not for you. They're there for the app makers to get you to pay attention to their apps. And if you start looking into like marketing presentations, you will see how much this is a deliberate. There are all sorts of statistics on how effective they are and how they should be used to steal our attention from us. So I suggest going into your settings and turning off all of the notifications except for phone calls, text messages, and your calendar to start with. Reason being that the first two are real people trying to contact you directly in real time and then your calendar so you don't forget something. And you can turn things back on if you want. There's nothing to say you can't turn them back on, but you want it to be because you actually want those notifications, not because an app maker wants you to have those notifications. And that makes a huge difference in terms of not being constantly distracted by these dings and these banners and even those little red bubbles with the numbers in them. Those are Mm. notifications and they are horrible. So get rid of them. So give us a couple of examples of things we should change about the apps themselves. Well, about the apps themselves, I mean, I'd recommend that you actually use apps to protect yourself from your apps, which sounds counterintuitive, but is really useful given that phones are not black and white things, right? Like there's many things that are great about them and truly enjoyable and useful. The problem comes when we cross the line from enjoyable and useful to mindlessly scrolling. So if you use an app blocker such as Freedom, you can actually set time limits for yourself on particular apps and you can block your access to apps at certain times so that if, say, you want to be on social media a little but don't want to get sucked in, then you can just block yourself, say, during the two hours before bedtime so that you can't indulge in that habit that you're trying to break. And I have lots more tips like this on the book's website, which is phonebreakup.com. And and your final point, probably the hardest nut to crack of all, changing our mindset. What do we do and how do we do that? Well, our mindset, you know, in some ways I actually think that that can be the easiest while also being very difficult. And the reason I say it's easy is that just by having conversations, like the one that we're having right now about our phones, we're thinking about them and we're noticing them. And once you notice something, that's when you have the ability to start to change it. A lot of us just haven't even noticed this. I think there's really been a mass awakening over the past couple of months of people saying, wait a second, something about my phone doesn't make me feel very good and I'm on it an awful lot of time. And that really is the first step. When Once you start asking yourself, okay, well, what do I want to pay attention to instead? That's actually a really profound question to ask yourself that can both help motivate you and keep you on track in terms of changing your phone habits, but also help you get in touch with broader things in your life, like create more meaning in your life beyond the phone. So in some ways, I think that that's one of the most beautiful things about this experiment is that for me, at least, it really has gone beyond just changing the way I think of and interact with my phone. And it has helped me to reconnect with and take action on what's meaningful to me in life in general. 
And finally, you've pointed out that one good baby step, maybe it's not a baby step, maybe it's a good first step, but forcing ourselves to leave our phones at home. How do we do that? <laughs> well, um, you walk out the door and your phone is at home. <laughs> but we have to convince ourselves, don't we? We do have to convince ourselves. And I think that one useful thing to think about is that we tend to think about as, oh, my God, I'm trying to spend less time on my phone, and that seems punitive. But it's not less time on your phone. It's more time to spend on your life. So that's a useful mindset switch to have. And then if you're really worried about that you're going to miss something important, take advantage of the new features such as autoresponders for text messages, which is native to iPhones now under Do Not Disturb When Driving, and you can do it with an app like Lil Space for Android. And there you can just say to people, I'm out, I'm not checking my phone, I'll be back soon. And then you don't have to worry you're leaving someone hanging, which for many people is one of the main reasons that they say that they, at least they say they can't leave their phone behind. And do it in baby steps, you know, just like half an hour lunch, 10 minute walk. See how you feel. Great advice. Catherine Price, author of How to Break Up With Your Phone. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. You're listening to InfoTrack. The weekly show with information you should know. A production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.